Pumpkins, elections, <laughs> they're all the same thing to Joe Biden. Uh, imagine, this has to be boring, boring, boring for these kids to stand up here. You're allowed to do anything you want, including go steal a pumpkin if you want. Anything you want to do. Welcome to BCP Unfiltered. Joe Biden isn't the only one teaching children bad principles. A Rhode Island school official is now facing backlash after claiming that misgendering a so-called trans child is an act of violence that needs to be dealt with accordingly. All right, this came from uh, Jennifer Lemer. She is a North Kingston District School Committee member and was responsible for imposing anti-racist policies in the district's schools. Once again, this is a white, liberal, crazy Marxist Karen trying to tell everyone, black, trans, Hispanic, what to think and how to act. I'm, I covered it in my YouTube video earlier this morning. The true racists are on the left. Last year, Lima uh, faced a recall vote for pushing Marxism and critical race theory, according to a report from Fox News. And earlier this month, she shared a post on Facebook on her official committee page saying that, I recognize that some of you may find the word violence in this post extreme. Let me show you the post. I recognize that some of you find the use of the word in the violence in this post extreme. And, and the post is, purposely misgendering students is an act of violence. Respond accordingly. She goes on to say that violence is defined by the World Health Organization as an intentional use of physical force or power, threatened or actual, against oneself or another person or against a group or community that either results in or has a high likelihood of resulting in injury, death, psychological harm, maldevelopment, or deprivation. Any act of violence in our schools which creates an unsafe environment physically or emotionally by or for any member of the school community needs to be dealt with accordingly. So... According, uh, violence is just misgendering somebody. So accordingly, that means that you can use mean words back at these people. These people have gone crazy and are confusing our kids. I feel sorry and bad for anyone. For instance, I've got nieces. I've got one sister-in-law that has a whole bunch of kids. She, uh, Mrs. BCP is the youngest daughter of the six kids that my in-laws have. So there's there's a big gap between her and her siblings. And her siblings, one of her, one of my sister uh, sisters in law has tons of kids and they have tons of kids. And um, I feel bad when I talk to my nieces, uh, two of them are, th actually three of them, three of the nieces, um, two of them are twins, you know, there's a, two of them are part of a set of twins. Uh, they are very, very... Now, they're not MAGA people. They're not like Trump people. They're just awakened. They're not woke. They're awakened. They just distrust the government and politics uh, as a whole, not really into um, false vaccinations and things of that sort. Um, and they are so worried. I mean, they, they um, one of my nieces is always like, Theo James, uh, this and this and this happened in school. And her... It, these are young children. These are like first and second grade children. I don't think any of them is in, in third grade because, you know, they're still, they're young families, but their kids are not going to school and they're very, very concerned. 
And I'm like, Mija, I don't know, baby girl. We that's why we homeschooled your 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 cousins because it, school is wacky. I I feel I feel I'm concerned, not just for my family members, but uh, for all of the young families that just aren't able. Especially now with inflation or what have you, or they're just—it's hard to survive on one income. It's hard to have, uh, and not all parents can really actually do homeschooling or even a charter program or online schooling for their kids. It's a lot of work and a lot of uh, attention. Trust me. Ask any parent who's done homeschooling the right way. Ask my wife. It is a commitment. It's a lifetime commitment. She did, she could not possibly have had a job and homeschooled our children who are doing very well in college and are very competitive, by the way. And that's that my wife's an immigrant, national, naturalized citizen immigrant whose English is not even her first language. So it can be done, but it does take time, sacrifice, um, and you have to be able to sacrifice that income for one of the parents to truly dedicate. I mean, if you have one child, you might get away with it, but we had four all homeschooled at the same time, so that wasn't going to fly. <sighs> Let's pray for our children and our young families, folks. All right, we've got three Arizona counties who are holding off certifying the stolen and or highly suspicious midterm elections in which somehow Katie Hobbs won over Carrie Lake, who's extremely popular. Isn't that interesting? So Mojave, Gila, Conchise and Yavapai counties have refused to certify the election. Now, there are only 15 counties in the state, so that's almost a, a, a quarter, over a quarter of the counties. One, two, three, four. Uh, 25% of 16 is four. There's only 15 counties, so it's over 25%. Um, so voters in all rural counties in Arizona are being disenfranchised by Maricopa County's incompetence and malfeasance. I'm happy to see that my county, Mojave, voted to delay the certification. This is as of yesterday. Uh, Cochise County, and, and please forgive me, Arizonans, if I'm mispronouncing your county names. The Cochise uh, County Board in Southeast Arizona delayed the certification on the suspect midterm elections on Friday. Republicans in the state had 72% of the turnout on Election Day. Democrats had only 17% turnout, but for some reason, the remaining ballots after Election Day broke even between the two parties, despite Republicans holding strong leads in the polls. Secretary of State uh, candidate Mark Fincham tweeted out the news on Friday. Mark says this may set a precedent for other counties to do the same. So this is developing. Uh, let's see what happens. Hi, this is Carrie Lake, and I have a message to the people of Arizona and all Americans. This is a statement uh, by Carrie Lake that she released yesterday. It's about two minutes. Let me play it for you uninterrupted. Hi, this is Carrie Lake, and I have a message to the people of Arizona and all Americans. Forty days ago, elections in Arizona officially started when mail-in ballots were sent out across our state. Election Day was 13 days ago, and Maricopa County is still counting ballots. Printer problems, tabulation errors, three-hour-long lines, and even longer. And confusing instructions given by election officials made this Election Day the most chaotic in Arizona's history. Half of voting centers that opened for the first time on Election Day, where the overwhelming majority of voters were voting for Kerry Lake, were not operational or had significant failures. 
Would you get on an airplane if half of the engines didn't work? Would our friends in the media be able to broadcast their nightly propaganda if only half of their studio equipment was working? The 2022 general election in Arizona was botched and broken beyond repair. Thankfully, the Attorney General's office is demanding answers from Maricopa County. Attorney General Mark Brnovich is taking the first steps necessary to remedy this assault on our democracy. This isn't about Republicans or Democrats. This is about our sacred right to vote, a right that many voters were sadly deprived of on November 8th. Tens of thousands of you have reached out, pleading with me to fight this fight. Rest assured, I will, because if we give up now, we will no longer have a country. Attorneys are working diligently to gather information. Whistleblowers are coming forward, and the curtain is being lifted. Whether done accidentally or intentionally, it is clear that this election was a debacle that destroyed any trust in our elections. Arizonans who choose to make their voice heard on Election Day should not be disenfranchised or punished for choosing to vote in person. Yet they were. I want you to know, Arizona, I will continue fighting until we restore confidence and faith in our elections. Now, if I were fake news, I would say these are unfounded and baseless claims of voter suppression or voter problems in Arizona. Except the problem is Carrie Lake asked for, Arizonans asked for, and got tons of receipts that Arizona elections were not fair, secure, free, and believable. There definitely were some shenanigans going on. Don't take my word for it. How about the word of some people that actually suffered through election day in Arizona? Hey, my name is James Knox, um, Queen Creek, Arizona. Uh, I uh, set up the GOP electioneering booth at 5 a.m. and worked all day electioneering. However, I did go in and vote. I think I called into the hot, the Arizona hotline shortly after 6, letting them know of people coming out saying the tabulators weren't working. Uh, it was really frustrating. When I went inside myself to vote during a slight lull, it did take my ballot, but multiple people it was not. They were putting the ballots into box three. Um, anyway, uh, throughout the day, they kept saying, hey, go across the street to the other co-university, co I think it's called, polling center that was across the parking lot. Um, and so was that one saying the same to Queen Creek um, because there was lack of communication informing people that they're all having the problems. Uh, by the time I left at 7 p.m., there was a couple hundred people still in line. Leading up the hour uh, beforehand, the marshal would go out and say, one hour left till polls close, Three, you know, 30 minutes, et cetera, et cetera, never informing the people that if they're in line, they're able to vote. We had to go and follow up and say, stay in line. If you're in line, you will get the opportunity to vote. It was really frustrating 
and with everything else, I'm quite concerned that it was a fair election. My name's Richard Parisic. I voted on election day, November 8th, 2022, at the Desert Hills Community Church of the Nazarene, which is located on 7th Street, north of the Carefree Highway. My uh, issue is my ballot was rejected after completed. It went through the tabulating machine, and I was told that there was a problem with the printer, that they couldn't accept my ballot. So they gave me two options. I could either put my ballot in a, some type of a container, and they would count it a little bit later, or I could go through the whole procedure, sign in again, and vote, and fill out a new fresh ballot, which I elected to do because I wanted my vote to count on that day. That's what the way it should be. I shouldn't have to put it in some kind of a cubby hole. It just doesn't seem like uh, there was a lot of uh, planning for this uh, for this voting. I'm very disappointed in that, that this was uh, done in this fashion. Thank you. Richard, I love you, brother, but you're wrong. A lot of planning went into this. The planning was successful and executed. It was by design, it was by plan that you would have this issue. So they could, that the machines wouldn't work, that you would be forced to put the uh, your vote in, in, in bin three so they can count it later and essentially not have your vote count. Too many people w- went through this, but interestingly enough, it happened after Dominion and other technicians came and monkeyed with the machines. So, Richard, you're right. You shouldn't have to go through this. But let me just assure you, it wasn't an accident. It was on purpose. It was by design. My name is Stuart Skirty. I was a poll observer on November 8th at the El Dorado Park Community Center in Scottsdale from 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. I attest to the following observations that day during my shift. The day started off with high volume of voters and drop-offs without tabulator issues. Between 6 a.m. and 11.30 a.m., we had 460 live voters and 397 drop-offs. Lines started at 30 minutes, then moved to 45 minutes, and by noon, wait times were well over an hour to an hour and a half. Tabulator voter suppression issues started shortly after a county technician arrived to check our equipment. Starting at 11.30, we started experiencing issues with tabulators not accepting voters' ballots. These voters were instructed to re-enter their ballots four different ways in the original tabulator, then if all failed to do the same thing in the second tabulator, then if failed again, go back to the first tabulator and try again. If all 12 attempts failed, they were given the choice of spoiling their ballot, having another printed, fill out their ballot again, and try submitting the tabulators again. A 30-plus minute process on top of waiting in line for an hour plus, or placing their ballot in drawer number three. The reason why we suggest that you bring your mail-in ballot down here is because, unfortunately, we can't trust the United States Postal Service because we all know what happens sometimes. They know the Republicans are voting in person. Yeah, of course. I. You say, can you repeat? You said one out of thirty ballots are going through. I'm not counting them. I'm saying about estimated about one or thirty. Not that they're going through. They're just not going through the tabulator. Right. Between 11:30 and noon, approximately 10% of the ballots were failing. Between noon and 12:30, approximately 20% of the ballots were failing. Between 12:30 and one o'clock, four of every seven ballots were failing. 
I'll never forget the look on these affected voters' faces. They were in disbelief that our system of voting was failing them in a mass, in mass, and on the most important election day of the 22 cycle. In the 42 years I have been voting, 99% of which is in per was in person, I have never experienced such chaos, confusion, and voter suppression. So 29 out of every 30 ballots are being dropped into a box. The same box that they're dropping into with the tabulator, right. and it's being counted just like these mail-in ballots are being counted, just as validated. My name is Shalissa, and I'm a registered voter in Maricopa County. This was the first time I voted in a midterm election and in person. I went to a church in my district in D27. I made sure to get to the polling place at 5.40 a.m. to give myself plenty of time to vote before having to go to work. I was sixth in line, um, and after filling out my ballot, I tried casting it, and the tabulator would not accept it. I was told to put it every which way you could imagine, to feed it slowly, and it still did not read it. The poll worker said to try the other machine, and to no avail, it would still not read it. At this point, they said that they would need to call a technician to come out um, and look at the machines. An hour later, an employee from Maricopa County showed up, um, looked over the settings, and then she had a walkie on her. Um, at that point, the walkie went off, and you could hear that other polling places were running into the same issue we were having. Um, at this point, she said she needed to go to the other polling places and just left. At this point, um, the group of about 30 of us were told that the uh, only options that we would have, it would be to drop our ballot off into box three and that it would be brought downtown later that evening and would be counted, um, or we could go to another polling place. Myself and a handful of others uh, were very skeptical and demanded for it to be fixed so our vote would count. Another woman waiting in line uh, was there with her father who got sick of waiting and decided to go to another polling place. He went to Glendale Community College only to find out he could not vote because he had already voted, which he clearly did not. Um, his ballot would not be tabulated by the machine in the district uh, polling area that we were in. An hour, another hour later, um, another technician came from Maricopa County uh, and showed up and said he couldn't touch the ballots and couldn't do anything until the technician from Dominion showed up. Um, at this point, I had a call into work. Um, I missed the day of work because I did not trust what I was being told and I wanted my voice to be heard. About a half hour later, uh, the technician from Dominion came in um, and they reset the machines um, and then they went and cleaned uh, the machines as well. At this point, I attempted to cast my ballot again and still nothing. Uh, the Dominion Tech proceeded to leave. Um, and at this point, the technician that was there from Maricopa County said that he may have thought it may have been a printer issue. I overheard him and said that he would be more than welcome to look at my ballot. Sure enough, there were white speckles in the area printed all along the black lines up the, up, uh, the ballots where the ballots are tabulated. Um, at this point, I had my ballot spoiled and a new one printed. And after a little over three hours, my vote was cast. I saw dozens of people leave to try to vote elsewhere and even more drop their ballot into box three. It does not matter how you voted. It's an absolute disgrace what happened and Maricopa County needs to be held accountable. The suppression of uh, Republican votes wasn't just on election day. Listen to this uh, young uh, college age I don't know if they're a couple, if they're just friends or whatever. Uh, she's speaking for him. But listen to what happened to them. Uh, shows you that the true racists are on the left. <laughs> You'll see what I mean here in just a moment. Hi, my name is Emily Weinberg, and this is Jalen Topps. And he experienced voter fraud. Um, it started with us registering. We were at Sharon Mountain Community College. 
and a girl stopped us and asked us if we would like to register. He obliged and he started writing down the different, um, like filling out the form to do it. And then it came down to party. And as soon as he put that he was um, with the Republican party, then the lady said, oh, are you sure that's right? And he was like, yeah, everything is right. We didn't think anything of it until we got to election day and only the federal only ballot got printed out. And um, we asked why, why was this? And they said, that's all that you get. And I said, no, that isn't right. Like this isn't, he had everything done on like registered. And they said, well, is he an illegal immigrant? And we said, no, he's not an illegal immigrant. And he's like, when will, did he move here? And I was like, he moved from Buckeye to Goodyear. Like he's been an Arizona resident his whole life. And he's like, well, you have to show proof that you're a resident or else we can't do this for you. And I was like, okay, great. We have his um, photo ID driver's license and we have his um, social security card with us right now to prove to you that he is registered, like that he is a an American citizen. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, we don't accept that as a form of um, proof of residency. And um, I was like, okay, that's really weird. And they continuously like wouldn't give us the full ballot. And they said that he was an illegal immigrant and that he wasn't able to do it over and over and over again. And we even called the school to tell them about what happened. And the dean said that this has happened many different times before, but they cannot do anything to stop them. Of course, these are anecdotal. But as you look into these instances, it seems to be that there's a concerted effort to deny the young people the vote unless it's Democrat. And there's a concerted effort to allow Democrats to vote and to allow Democrats to electioneer and campaign near a polling place, which is not allowed. Hi, my name is Tiffany and my son is a freshman at Arizona State University. This was his first time voting. Um, before election day, he actually got a text from a group at ASU that offered him $250 if he would rally his friends together to vote Democrat. Um, when he got to the, the polling place, they were going down the line telling people to leave and that their vote was not going to be counted. Even though he was there at about 6.20 p.m., they were saying he wouldn't make it in by 7. They were then handing out Sharpie markers to everyone to vote with, which he knew better, and asked for a ballpoint pen. They said that they could not find his registration, his voter registration, which we um, registered him when he moved in in August. So I was there with him when it happened. Um, they said they could not find it and he had to vote provisional ballot. They um, had him fill it all out and put it in box number three. Um, also, he ran into issues with um, tents being right outside the entrance for um, Mark Kelly. There were people handing out flyers and Democrat voting um, posters. People were having those right at the entrance as well. So there was a lot of issues and I uh, just wanted to let you know. Thank you. Now we have news, of course, that Mark Brnovich, the attorney general, who did nothing about the actual fraud that we saw during the audit and the presentation uh, last year, he's done nothing. He's been quiet. It's been like the ninja, um, is now asking Maricopa County to answer what's going on here and what have you. And because of this, we have Carrie Lake saying that she will become a governor. 
Now the Arizona Attorney General is demanding answers from the Maricopa County uh, with all of this voter suppression activity on Election Day. I think we need to spend another episode and look at Mark Brnovich. We're not going to do that right now, folks. I just wanted to present to you several receipts, anecdotes, evidences, which represent hundreds, if not thousands, of such testimonials of voter suppression and shenanigans on Election Day in Maricopa County. And of course, it's all by design. They stole the election from President Trump in Maricopa County and therefore the state of Arizona in 2020. And they wanted to have you believe in 2022 that Kerry Lake lost to Katie Hobbs, who wouldn't debate her, ran away from the press, and oh, by the way, is in charge of elections and voting in Arizona. If that's not a conflict of interest, what is? Power!